Welcome to a very special bonus edition of Miyazaki and Me. I'm Kyle. And I'm Shane. Uh, So we are, in this episode of Miyazaki and Me, not reviewing a Hayao Miyazaki movie or a Studio Ghibli movie. Uh, This was the finally getting around to our special 100 subscriber uh, bonus episode of another very influential anime, Akira. Akira, or how I learned to stop worrying and love my motorcycle. (laughs) The incredibly iconic poster um, that everyone has seen of the... would 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 Canada be the main character, or is is Tetsu the main character? Uh, uh, uh Canada is uh, Canada. Canada. Wow, I just I just watched it. and I'm already mispronouncing. I know, it over right? And over again. I, I, it, it, it was Canada. Yeah. Uh, Canada. Uh, Canada is the main character. Tetsuo yes. is is supporting as well as K. Um. We we could almost make a make an analogy that it almost is a uh, Goku Vegeta type relationship at points. Um, I mean, we could, we shouldn't, because it doesn't really fit. Yeah, but I know, we, but, it, but we could. <laughs> but it's like th- there's the main character, and then there's this other very important supporting character. Um, is more what I was getting at. Yes. Um, yeah. And. Uh, so yeah, we we won't be going over you know our animation timeline. Obviously, this this was released in July of 1988, uh, alongside uh, a couple very prominent Studio Ghibli movies uh, at the at around the same time because this was the same year as My Neighbor Totoro and also Grave of the Fireflies. And I would put this firmly in the middle of those two. Closer to the one end, but in the middle. In the middle of Totoro and Grave of the, Grave Fireflies. Of the Fireflies. I mean, yeah, I, I it's not. I I mean, Grave of the Fireflies is just an amazing movie. Yes, exactly. Um, um, and uh, Akira is a iconic movie, but I don't think it's quite as good of a movie as. I I, re- I really think it it might have hurt both of our viewings the fact that um especially in your case we, we have watched so much more an- modern anime that clearly has taken influences from Akira. Oh, sure. So like this is this is the template, you know, kind of moving yeah. forward cuz you think about the style of Totoro and uh and grave of the fireflies uh, especially as it as it pertained to action this is a completely different type of action anime like you know you get i i loved the use of the speed lines and the lights um especially in the in the opening scene like the opening car chase yeah very uh, or bike chase i should say yeah where they establish that it's a, that it is uh, being done in the distant, distant future of 2019. Yes, 2019 with the Olympics in Tokyo in 2020. Um, Which is like no that's parallels weird. At all there. Yeah, yeah, no parallels at all. 
There wasn't any parallels in this movie that, uh, to anything that's <laughs> happening currently at, at all. No, no police violence. Nothing. Nothing that. that no, felt no, no, nothing weird. at all. Um, also, probably should point out the fact that we've we've kept it pretty uh, pretty PG um, with uh, Miyazaki and me. Uh, there might be some some swears and some uh, you know talking about some uh, you know kind of content that we normally don't talk about uh, because this is a very much more adult anime as well. Yeah bit of nudity uh close there's a there's a scene where it definitely looked like there was going to be some sexual assaults happening in this movie yeah which um, like came out of nowhere to me like I, I i i was expecting the violence but i wasn't expecting that type of violence and it was like whoa whoa like this felt like a line had been crossed that like i wasn't used to at all um and that was actually you know very fitting for the scene because that that is how um you would feel in that situation of like wait this came out of nowhere why why are you doing this to her it was also a very good scene to really show where tetsuo really lies in his mindset because he was more worried about the motorcycle than the girl but yeah yeah that that should have been our first hint of like oh maybe he's not so great of a guy Uh, yep um, but yeah, let's start at the start at this top here. Um, you talked about that that opening uh, bike chase um, between it was between two rival gangs, uh, uh, Tetsuo and uh, Kanada's gang gang, and then the the clowns. The I think clowns, is the name yep. of the gang. Uh, and it was a pretty cool chase. Uh, but while this is happening, there's a uh, there's a secondary chase happening between police and um, a. A man who had been shot, who's dragging along a very old-looking child. Yeah, very old, very grayish, like, muted skin tone kind of, yeah, looking child. And it's like, what is this? Like, almost, like, kind of early depictions of, like, Frankenstein, kind of, of is, is how this kid looked, but, you know, small. Yep. Like, in, a, in a child's body. Um, and obviously they, they end up crossing paths with each other, um, which actually leads to, uh, Tetsuo, um, who has gone off on his own to chase these, these clown bikers, um, getting injured and then being taken away by the government, which didn't really get why they needed him or how, like, I, so, so they're, they're doing experiments on Tetsuo after this happens and, did the experiments give him these powers or did he were the powers in him all along? And well, like, there's... they, they, they kind of talk about in the end of like, Oh, the, the powers of Akira are in all of us. And it just takes something to unlock uh, it. And it's like, yeah. So was that the experiment ending on Tetsuo? Oh, or was that, the flash that 26 like stops him with that unleashed that, you know, those powers. Yeah. There's a few things throughout this movie that I, I just wasn't quite sure how to not necessarily how to react to them, but how to know exactly what was going on with them. Like, um, 
like this this uh the powers him getting the powers was one of them um the i i don't i don't know there, there's there's a few things that just it feels like it was it wasn't quite explained yes but it being as the movie was moving so fast and i i didn't necessarily think that that, that some of it needed to be explained um, but it still yes, kind of felt I, weird. I, like, yeah, I, I, yeah, I can agree with it. that. And and I I actually while I was watching this was was thinking pretty similar to uh, what your thoughts were on on Nausicaa. Um was just the fact that, like this this feels like the pace of this film is going so quickly that I kind of wish they'd stop and not like overly explain some stuff, but you know. I, I wish I could get a few more details. You know, the corrupt government, like, politician, like, later in the film, um, and, and, you know, some stuff with the colonel. It's like, oh, I kind of wish this would have been able to get fleshed out a little bit more. But also, I didn't want to spend too much time on it um, and and make this film even longer than it was. You know, so... So like I was I was okay with those those cuts um in in this um but like this actually made me uh, a bit more excited like I have the first volume of the manga and so it's like oh I'm actually going to you know now that I finally watched this I'm going to go back and and read the manga now uh to hopefully flesh out a little bit more of those details yeah, the the colonel and the doctor, I feel like, are characters that we don't really know enough about in this movie, um, in particular. Um, especially since at the end, the the spoiler alert, you should should have already watched the movie if you've listened to this. Uh, but the colonel survives; he's actually saved by the by the old children. But there's nothing in the movie that make that makes me like one of the kids is trying to escape the colonel. Um, yeah. and like, there's nothing in the movie that, that makes me think the kids would want to save the Colonel. Um, yeah, necessarily. That's, that's kind of what I was thinking too, of like, hasn't he been abusing you guys your entire lives? Is yeah. What it so, so I like? felt like I was, we were missing a piece of that puzzle. Um, and, but like on the same vein, like I said, with, with Tetsuo, I felt like they, they did good a good job of i mean i wasn't surprised that the power went to his head you know they oh, they oh yeah yeah it, i wasn't surprised by that either cuz they they set up that that he is always being saved um um and he is always searching for help and th- that he's got this like this this thing about him where he wants to do it himself over and over again now why that that power going to his head caused him to kill people that he thought were his friends was kind of weird to me um yeah i i would agree with yeah especially the other the scene with the uh like the bartender later on the bartender yep, that... like yeah the bartender and then the other gang members and was like whoa this felt like like i said that that felt almost a little rushed but mm-hmm. it's like okay i'm sure there was a little bit more of an explanation in this um but we we couldn't spend too much time on it because this is already a two hour animated movie.
Yeah, I mean the the bartender scene, I could I could see that, like in my mind, it played out as like he didn't have money, um, because you know he was wearing just that hospital uniform, and then that that whole thing was essentially just cut, um, for time really, because the bartender yeah. never really developed a relationship with the kids; he just knew who they were. But then the but then yeah, him him killing one of the the people in the gang uh, and leaving the other one alive was kind of a weird weird thing. I, I to me, it would have been. He killed them both because the powers uh, completely disrupted him, or he didn't kill either of them because they were his friends. Um, so I, I just felt like that wasn't flushed, flushed yeah. out. In, I I, in the I did I did like. Um, I think that that was more of a uh, more of a uh, framing device because at that point in time we'd seen him kill you know a few people. But uh, I think it worked better character-wise in the fact that we just get to see the reaction of this of the characters, and it was like, oh wow, um, you know, just seeing the reaction of the survivor, uh, being and seeing like, wow, like the the emotional toll that was put on to them. Uh, by seeing their friend get killed right in front of them, you know it was was a good dramatic piece piece in the film that I think that's that's one of the reasons storytelling wise is that it made sense for him to leave one of them alive just so we could get that character beat and see yeah. how how much Tetsu had dropped like and how how far gone he was also um what was with the deus ex machina idea of may also having psychic abilities that she could be possessed by the kids and like i that was at one point in time they were just like oh it's weird that she was dropped into our laps it was really the only like drop of like that she has these that, that that she's yeah. usable for them and i just didn't understand why she was usable and or yeah because because like she's one of the only ones that like you get that uh thing with too because because yeah you you don't see them possess anybody else really it's just her so it just it just completely threw me off. Uh, well, not completely, but but it threw me off enough that I like that was the one thing that I questioned while the movie was going on. It's it itself, uh, not just thinking back to it. And that's just I, I saw it happen. And, and I mean, and just for everyone out there, I've seen this movie a couple times before. This is probably my third watching of of Akira. Okay, um, I watched it this morning, and then Kyle, I, this is his first watching. Yeah, of this Akira. this is the first time that I, I'd seen it. Um, and, um, and, and weirdly enough, like, like we might seem, <laughs> uh, that we're being a little harsh on this. I really enjoyed this movie. Oh, it's a fantastic movie. It's really good. Like I, I, I see, especially like putting my, my head into the context of the time. And it was like, oh, wow. I can see where all of the influences is that, you know, everybody, you know, talks about, uh, you know, and and everything ended up being such a like how it is such an influential film, and you know especially how at the time it was kind of mind blowing, and it's like oh awesome, like 
I can see all of that. But yeah, like then in in hindsight, though, also it was like, well, here here are some criticisms that we can see, you know, in retrospect. Well, at the time, it was also the most expensive uh, anime ever made. Um, I believe it was five and a half million dollars. Uh, it was ten. Again. Oh, ten million dollars. It was ten million dollars. Oh, it uh, made five and a half million dollars. I think. Uh, what, no, what it made it fifty. Oh, hmm. yeah. I don't know where my numbers come from, but uh, I don't uh, either. Um, but uh, but it was the most expensive anime made until the next year with Kiki's Delivery Service. I do know that one's true. Okay, yeah, uh, that that one makes sense. Um, and and probably pretty similar percentage wise box office then um because because kiki's did very well um as as we know um and yeah this movie also did very very well i think the i think the 50 is is in addition to uh the adding the u.s numbers as well Hmm. but uh but you can tell that they're that it's just it's it's very well it flows very well um as a movie like there is no point in the movie it's a two hour long long anime uh and i no point in the movie did i feel like it was dragging um there was always something going on there it was it always kept going um i i never you know i was never checking the time to see how much is left um in fact i i thought it was going faster than it was uh because i had spoken to Kyle in what I thought was two thirds the way through the movie, and I was barely halfway through the movie at that point. Oh, uh, really? Okay. And when I said there was half an hour left, there was actually a little over an hour a left. A little at that over point. an hour. Okay. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Because I thought I was much further into the movie, uh, even though I had seen it before. Um, but it had been years since I've seen it. But I thought I was much further in the movie because of how well it was flowing. Yeah. Of, you know. The... Uh, did you? Did you? Uh, so technical wise, like this. Uh first first one where we're we we don't live together at this point anymore um and so like we did actually watch the separate and have this is actually our first conversation about it um even even pre-show banter was just you know catching up on life it was weird Um, yeah i very i very specifically did not ask you about this i know yeah i know like uh but uh yeah, so this is our, our first times we've been able to talk to each other about it. And yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. And yeah, there was there was so much in this that was just really like kind of mind blowing. Like even like we talked about because uh, I've been watching the like uh, Corridor crew. Uh, they've they've had on a bunch of animators as of recently doing their reaction shows and one of the things they were just talking about actually with uh my hero academia was talking about how you know when when you'll get a big energy burst in a fight you get that hair flying everywhere and it's like it's a simple animation trick to just give stuff more energy and this is one of the first places I've seen I saw that used like was was in Akira. So it's like I feel like that influence it has has moved and moved forward um cuz basically to me like the the final almost half hour is, is what it so- seemed like was just this giant anime fight scene uh it, in the Olympic Stadium 
and it was so well done and thinking about it and it's like this is 1988 like this was the template for our big modern anime fight scenes now yeah yep the uh uh him coming in on on his motorcycle um with the laser gun uh like that 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 fight is just so epic uh, like it, he's yeah. He's jumping around. He's just a normal dude uh, jumping around and doing this stuff. And, and it, it's just, it was such a great climax to watch. Uh, and the idea that this climax happened in 1988 yeah. um, and not in a modern film is is insane. Um, I mean, this is all before the nightmare fuel of, of uh, bulgy baby uh, um, uh, uh, morphe gross like i i hated everything about oh yeah uh, yeah the transformation yeah the big yeah the big transformation thing yeah because like i at first like you think that uh earlier on in the film and we're, we're going to be jumping around a lot like just it's because yeah. it's a general over discussion um but yeah early on in the film like you get that scene where it feels like it's just a nightmare of like the little tiny creatures like walking on his bed and then they become this huge giant like teddy bear thing and it's like oh was this all a dream and then you realize like no that wasn't a dream that's the other kids attacking tetsu and it was like oh crap and then he uses a similar thing the yeah the big morphing bulgy thing like once he he gets uh, one of the first things that I saw with the, the giant space laser, um, was actually justice league unlimited. Cause they used the watchtower as a laser, um, in, in the first season or the third season of justice league. And I was like, Oh great. They've got the watchtower cannon thing. Um, and then that, that makes Tetsuo lose an arm. So then he regrows it with like metal parts and stuff. And then he, expands the organics to that at, as well and it's like this is so creepy the i the scene when he jumps into space and the the sound goes away was uh, just so, so amazing like it's so it's cuz i mean back then they they weren't doing that if something happens in space there were noises and you know there's not noise in space there's no sound in space so yep. the fact that they dropped the sound out and muted everything like that was just it, it made that scene just remarkable to me um also yeah so so here's literally what i wrote in my notes uh uh this is the template for every huge anime villain fight from here forward huge energy attacks flowing hair have to fly into space just because <laughs> Yeah, that's about right. And I was like, that's pretty accurate. I, I feel pretty good about that note. Um, and actually right above that, right before the scene, because uh, uh, Canada kind of has, has a little bit of a, you know, you realize he's not as big of an asshole as he is at the beginning of the film. Like, he, get, he gets a little bit of redemption, not a ton like he's still not a perfect character by any means, but you, he, he's you, a punk. Like, yeah. like the, 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 he's a punk. He's he's a he's uh, he's a Yusuke Yurameshi from Yu Yu Hakusho. Like he's he's a, a punk with a good heart, 
kind of kind of thing is their their what they're trying to portray. But I mean, at the, at the end of the day, though, he's still a punk. Yeah. Um. But like he's you know kind of going through. Um. You know, early on, Tetsu steals his bike. Um. And then he keeps you know trying to find ways to to get to Tetsu and and find other ways to to get there i i liked the uh the flying uh like helicopter jet ski sort of thing that they were using in the facility um that was really cool like i i really liked that use yeah, but, it had a lot of it had a feel of a uh, of the the bikes from um, Star Wars uh, Episode Six. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, yeah, the, the kind of yeah. yeah the the ones on on Endor. Yeah, yep. The stormtrooper things. Yeah, like like that. Like just being able to fly. Like that was super cool. And it's like okay, that gives you a little bit of a tone of like that we got in the beginning. Because like at that point, you know the the scene at the beginning, you know, with the gang fight. It was kind of the 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 tent pole of the movie for me, at least action wise, and I was like, oh, you know, we we're kind of getting that same feeling, but not quite. And then um, he gets he he's Canada is reunited with with the gang, and finally gets his bike back, and it's like, oh, I'm so excited that he has his bike back now. This is gonna be. This is gonna lead to good things, and then it did. And then, yeah, then we get the the fight scene where he's, you know, charging up the, the gun with his, uh, with his bike battery. Yep. Well, with the other guy's bike battery. Oh yeah, yeah, it's the other guy's bike battery. Then the bike sets on fire, and he cracks a joke. Um. Oh, my mind just went blank. Um, what, what I was going to ask though, uh, so, so like I said, we, um, I was, I was realizing I, I was going to allude to this question earlier and then, uh, we, uh, we talked about something else instead. Uh, but since we watched this separately, did you watch this subtitled or dubbed? I was about to ask you, that was actually the question I was thinking too. Um, uh, I of course watched the dub, uh, of course you and did. my question, and my question for you is, uh, because, I know that you have it on uh, DVD or Blu-ray, um, so I wasn't sure if you did watch the dub. I don't know. I, I don't know if you did, but uh, if you watched I, the Ghana Young Bosch Wonder, the original, I actually have it. Uh, I bought it through iTunes a few years ago, um, and it is actually the Funimation subtitled version. Okay, uh, so I d- I did watch the subbed version. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Uh, this is the first anime that they uh, actually recorded the voices before doing the animation. Um, oh, interesting. Okay. Yep, I saw that in the in the trivia. That yeah, because uh, yeah, because usually usually for for anime is as uh, I think we've ta- I think we've talked about this, but it's it's always a good thing to bring up. Like for a lot of anime, they do record they do do all the drawings to like a temp track. Um, or just kind of space it out and and do that before they actually get the voice acting in. Um, uh, whereas opposed to like Western animation does the the voice track, he, those tracks first and then animate to that. Yeah, if you actually remember back to uh, our only yesterday episode, yes, um, uh, Connor had mentioned that. 
that that was the first time that Miyazaki had done uh, had done it that way. That that Studio Ghibli had done it that way. Yep. Um. But yeah. So so I I I really enjoyed the the. Um, it got a little. It took a little bit getting used to um to watching the subtitled version uh but uh i i enjoyed it uh that way a lot you know as well because because it's it's such an action anime you know there there was dialogue and there were you know at few points a few expedition ex exposition dumps um yeah. but you know those those you gloss over a lot to you know it's it was a lot of you know, trash talking during fight scenes, you know, especially during the gang fight eight and a lot of yelling <laughs> during the studio, during the, the Olympic stadium battle. Uh, something that uh, I want to call back to, and it was just a little scene uh, and it was an exposition kind of dump scene, but it was when the, the gentleman that Kay was, was paired with when he was, shot and dying and he went back to the benefactor who was a guy that was on the council for for the the city um uh and he was shot again by, by the benefactor yes uh, but then the the benefactor dies in the alleyway and then there's this really cool scene where you see like a moment of joy on the uh on, on the guy's face before, right before he dies because he sees people on the street uprising like he sees them them starting to 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 get out there and do something, which was this whole point of what he was trying to do from the, the get go of the movie uh, was to get people to rise up. Yeah. Cause he, he wasn't the one who kidnapped uh, 26, uh, but he was one of the people in that group um, that, that kidnapped 26 at the very beginning. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was interesting to see that, um, that, yeah, it's like, Oh good. People are following our lead and hopefully doing something productive and kind of overthrowing this corrupt government. Yeah. And it was, it was just, a, a, it's a uh, cool thing and, and a great point of animation that they showed that piece on his face as he was dying, which I just thought was great. Like it, yeah. it's something that you see, in movies and anime since then, but it's not something that was really, it's not done a lot and it wasn't done before. I can guarantee that. Yeah. Well, and that's like, I know a lot of uh, the influence, uh, and like the talk about how influential this movie is, will go down and, and rightly so uh, to more of the design aspects. Like, like the fact that like you get this really interesting, you know, post-apocalyptic kind of look, but you know, almost a little neo-noir. You know, it is it is literally called Neo Tokyo. Um, but like, yeah, it, you you also get you know moments like that that I think are are not talked about as much as the big elaborate fight scenes and and the graffiti designs and the light trails and the flowing hair and that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, you, you do get these really interesting character moments as well. Yeah. They, they for sure did a great job of, of tying the emotions to the scene, uh, which is probably one of the reasons why this was a big, uh, 
the the first big you know crossover uh, anime hit in in America. Um, so much so that it's it's one of only three animated films that's ever been uh, released under Criterion Collection. Um, oh, really? I, one of one of three. Okay. What? Uh, I'm trying to think what the other two are. I don't think you're gonna get them. Okay. Um, uh, I'm I'm gonna guess. So okay. so so weirdly enough. Oh wait, no, I literally just saw it. Oh, crap. Um, I was gonna be way off. Uh, because uh, I was actually going to go for, um, because Criterion Collection can sometimes be a little interesting. Um, I was I was gonna t- go with uh, Katsuoshi Otam. Um, uh, I butchered that. Katsuri Otomo. Was other film Steam Boy, which is not as highly regarded, but no. it is his uh, uh, one of his other directorial uh, films. Uh, I was gonna guess that, but I ju- I just saw um, what the other two are, and one oh, one one of them doesn't surprise me. Um, Fantastic Mr. Fox doesn't yeah, surprise you, no, because all of the the Wes Anderson movies are on Criterion Collection. Um. Which was my rationale for Steam Boy, um, but Watership Down, really? Okay, uh, yeah, Watership Down uh, doesn't. Well, it surprises me, but it doesn't because it's one of those things that our generation it wasn't a big thing. But this, the Watership Down, the, those books are like gold to people of of a certain yeah. age. Well, like, and they, and 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 in in all three aspects uh in all three uh uh specific versions of Akira, Watership Down and Fantastic Mr. Fox, uh it it's more like they they would not have been distributed through other means. Um, you know, uh, because you had, you know, Disney obviously is distributing all of their their stuff. Uh, they, you know, did had the deal uh, to distribute uh, all of the Studio Ghibli films as well. Um, so yeah, it, it it makes sense that Criterion Collection would would have been the the distributor for um, you know the DVDs and laser discs um, for for stuff. Uh, that that was more independent, so so we can say, yeah. Um, but uh, I'm trying to think if there's any other beats that I really want to hit on, but I don't, I don't, I don't know if there really are. What about you? Uh, but uh, yeah, I guess we we haven't really we've mentioned it a few times, but yeah, the the last real point is just you know the design aspect of this film, like. All of the graffiti, all of the the really broken down structures that that we see, like obviously, it's thirty one years after a nuclear bomb happens, or a bomb of some sort. We don't really know if it's nuclear, um, but it's it's implied that it's probably. I was about like to say, I think we can bomb. assume on this on this case that it was nuclear. Yeah. Um, 
But and, like, ev- everything being so run down, but also kind of still intact. And like even the stuff that is newer, you know, still has this run down look to it. Um, and you don't really see that that much in in anime because it's a lot easier actually to make things that are streamlined and pretty yeah. you know in in animation um, like because the more the more texture you add to something the harder it is to animate yeah the the, the showing that everything was trashed like uh, everything was graffitied. Everything was trashed. There was it, it didn't look like there was any piece of that city. You know, d- did depend on didn't even depend on which part of town you were in. That wasn't being that wasn't you know uh, messed up and and people just throwing stuff down on the street and people graffitiing everything. There was gangs everywhere, um, and it was it was a beautiful aesthetic. Uh, it was uh, that combined with the the steampunk like aspects with it that they did with the, the motorcycles and, and some of the, uh, some of the big shots of the city where, where uh, a few of the things had like a, uh, um, hologram kind of, kind of look yep. to it. Yeah. And, and yeah. And even, even down to like, even the stuff that is newer and clearly should be in better shape, like you still have kind of, that tone with even like like Canada's uh bike like it it clearly is something newer but because of his mindset and like the the world that he grows up in cuz clearly he's you know probably teen well he he's going to school so he's a teenager um so he's been living in this world um, that all he sees is this graffiti and, and stuff. So that's why, you know, instead of having this pristine, just red bike, he's slapping this sticker on, he's slapping the sticker on here, 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 here. So that like even that bike, which is probably newer and more or fleshed out, like it's has, stolen. has a, has a bit of personality to it. Yeah. I do like that at the beginning when Tetsuo is is wanting to get the bike. He's like, "Well, if you want something," in uh, uh, Kanda does is bragging about his bike and and what the bike could do. Um, he's like, "Yeah, you know," and and it's really I, I'm really the only one that can handle it. And then he's like, "Well, if you want something like this, you got to find it and steal it yourself." So he very much pointed out that he definitely stole the bike. Yeah, yeah, he definitely like it. It almost like it. It almost reminds me like it almost looks like it was like a Formula One you know, kind of car or, or bike like, that he just, you know, stole and yep. that, and that's probably why it has all those stickers and stuff on it. Cause it was sponsored, but then like seeing the state of the world of like, if it was a formula one bike and the fact that nobody's been looking for it, you know, like the fact that the original owner is just like, ah, screw it. I don't care. Or, well, like, I mean that just, that just talks about the world, like yeah. you know, something gets stolen and then and then you know it's gone. Like yep. you're SOL. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, but but yeah, like like I said, I I I would rank this in the middle. Um, so actually, let's do, um, because there are 
you know, almost a little uh, reverse order of of our normal events because this is bonus episode. Bonus. Uh, so let's let's look at all of the other films of 1988, uh, the other okay. animated films, and because oh god, 1988 is ridiculous. It is so so good for the films that were released. Um, the the one major one that I I still haven't seen is Appleseed. I've never heard of Appleseed. Um, it was it was uh, kind of steampunk as well, but not as regarded as Akira. Oh. Um, uh, so we, ha- we that, have a, is that a, a Western movie. Uh, no, that's an anime. That's an anime. Um, it was I think it was it might have actually been a series um, and it might be the. Uh, the first film of the series. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, I'm just looking at it now. Yeah. Uh, uh, Doremon, um, the, I think we we talked about that before um, because it was actually the fifth highest grossing film of the year, um, animation-wise. Um, the, the first Dragon Ball movie, uh, Grave of the Fireflies, uh, uh, the first uh, Mobile Suit Gundam. Wait, you say the first Dragon Ball movie? Is it Dragon Ball? Uh, so, so is that's Dragon Ball. Uh, <laughs> Mystic something, Mystical Adventure. Okay, okay, okay. I know which one that is. Yep. Yes, that's essentially the summary movie. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me because it was yeah because technically it's the end. Of, it, it's right at the end of Dragon Ball. Um, mm-hmm. before a few years later, Dragon Ball Z coming out. Um, so My Neighbor Totoro, uh, Oliver and Company, which I always forget that was the oh. Disney release of the year. Why should I worry? Why should I care? Uh, and, Joel, yeah, and uh, my uh, uh, one of my personal favorites, I don't, I don't know if we can count it as an animated movie, though, in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I wouldn't. Yeah, I, I would count it as live action. Yep. Um, and then, and then, uh, of course, uh, Land Before Time. Oh God. Because oh, the Time. yeah the the four the four highest grossing uh, were Doraemon, um, the record of Norbit's parallel visit to the West uh, was the fourth highest grossing film with twelve million dollars. Uh, Akira with about uh, worldwide gross forty nine million, uh, Oliver and Company seventy four million dollars, and then Land Before Time with eighty four million dollars. Um, it is it has been a very long time since I've actually watched Land Before Time, uh, so I don't know where it would rank. Um, but to me, one and one and two, if we are if we are discounting and not counting Who Framed Roger Rabbit as an animated film, uh, then it definitely, to me, is Grave of the Fireflies is the best film of the year, and then Akira is second. Um, I mean, this is a tough one for me. 
because I have such such a great like great memories of Land Before Time. I mean, sad memories, but yeah, great the, great memories of the, that movie. It, that's the thing. I just I haven't seen it in so long. Like I can't I can't remember the quality of it. Because I mean, just nostalgia wise, I want to put that on top. But yeah. Um. I mean. I don't. I I would say, uh, Grave of the Fireflies, Akira, and and uh, and Land Before Time are all, all up there in the top, kind of rotated. I I probably yeah. put Akira below both of those movies though. Okay. Yeah. I'd say Akira would be third. Okay. And and we're just completely throwing away Oliver and Company and My Neighbor Totoro. Well, I mean, Oliver and Company is fourth, for sure. Um, and I can I can throw away my neighbor Totoro. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, you really didn't like that movie, did you? It's not that I really didn't like the movie. It's just it's just not just, as good yeah. as as a lot of the other movies that that exist. That is that is true. So and um, I saw it at the wrong time as an yeah. adult. Uh, but yeah, so so uh, final thoughts on on the film. Uh, I I really enjoyed it. I can really see how and why it is as influential um, as as it has been, uh, and you know I'm really glad that uh, I was able to finally watch this. Yeah, I'm glad that you're able to finally watch this too. Um, uh, it's it's just it's iconic. It's it's a movie that everyone should check out. Um, just for the if you like animes um you you should check it out just for the the history of it just for um just to see where everything really kind of originated yeah yeah like like i know this is this is always one of them that um for more like mainstream action films you know, they they a lot of the things that get credited, uh, even from you know the the Matrix, um, you know they they talked about how influential Akira and Ghost in the Shell were, yep. to that film, and it's like okay, I can see it. Um, I haven't seen Ghost in the Shell yet, but um, you know, I, I I can start seeing where and why those influences. Uh, why why this film was as influential as as it as it was ghost in the shell starring scarlett johansson right uh dear god no um uh but yeah so shane plug uh plug all your other stuff uh yeah so hopefully making a triumphant return to podcasting here uh in the near future, uh, I just I just moved. Uh, so as Kyle had pointed out, we are in separate locations now. So um, we took a little bit of time off for that. But uh, the Five Star Movie Podcast, which is a subsidiary of Character Work. So if you're looking for that podcast, you have to look for Character Work. Um, uh, that Gabe and I do is 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 coming back. Uh, we're gonna do that. We're finally gonna do the Toy Story uh, Spirited Away episode that we had been uh, you, teasing you, for you, so long. You kept it as Spirited Away, even though Gabe hated that movie. Oh, spoilers! That's a uh, spoiler for our podcast, not yours. That's true. Um, 
Uh, yeah, no, I of course I kept it spirited away. I still think it's an iconic movie, uh, yeah. uh, and worth talking about. I sort of wish they chose Howl's Movie Castle for him, but you know, we'll we'll get there on this podcast. Yeah, we'll get there. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, uh, the Animaniacs uh, with Carl and I is also going to make a return here. We've got the uh, I've got one episode that I'm uh, going to release here soon uh, for the fu- the end of season one of My Hero Academia and. Uh, I believe we have decided just to keep rolling with My Hero Academia uh, uh, and not switch up to another show uh, in the middle here and, and just keep on trucking. Well, if, I, if I'm if i remembering, the the cliffhanger for season one is very good. And so I don't blame you for keeping going. I mean, it's it's not like a true cliffhanger. They they do they do show a character at the very end there that that. Uh, is definitely going to be uh, important for season two, but okay. Uh, uh, but yeah, so so check those out. That's the Animaniacs. Uh, if you're there's a few podcasts apparently called that, so choose the one that has a Gundam uh, yes. <laughs> and and uh, character work five star movie podcast. Um, and then you can find all of my stuff uh, at Knocked Out Films. Uh, Knocked Out Entertainment is the oh, wait is is the anchor Knocked Out Entertainment or is it Knocked Out Films? You would think I, I would know this. You 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 changed it recently, didn't you? It's Knocked Out Films. Okay. Um. So, yeah, you can find all of my stuff at Knocked Out Films on Instagram, Twitter, and Anchor for the this podcast, as well as Hello Sweetie, my Doctor Who podcast, um, and uh, the eventual Knocked Out Films Presents, uh, which will be what we do after uh, these series wrap up. Um, I, like Shane, had taken a break because of moving, because turns out that's really stressful. Oh yeah, it is. <laughs> so, uh, but th- thanks everybody for for sticking with us and and coming back for this episode. Uh, we will be back in two weeks uh, with uh, back to our regular episodes, and we are finally reviewing the film that inspired this podcast uh, in, at the start. Uh, so we are finally reviewing Howl's Moving Castle. Oh, and how sweet it will be. Be good to each other.